Hello and welcome to episode two of That's What People Do, the podcast where we inform you about cool people and sometimes evil people mm-hmm. who have lived on a, on planet Earth. Yes, uh, this rock we call planet Earth. This rock that came out of nowhere. That's hurtling through space. What a rock. <laughs> so you've already heard his voice. Uh, I'm with Ryan McGowan today. Ryan, how you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm all good. Good. Uh, and I'm James Kay and I am taking the uh, the lead on this one. So... If you liked the fluidity of the first episode, you might not like this one. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, last week we spoke about uh, Dashrath. Yeah, Dashrath Manji. Yep. Uh, the man who carved uh, a road through a mountain. Yeah, he did. Uh, and this week we are talking about J.R.R. Tolkien, the man who um, created the Hobbit series, the Lord of the Rings series. And inspired uh, George R.R. R. Martin to not only have two R's in his name, but also make Game of Thrones. Yeah, because Game that, of Thrones... That's a lie. He didn't inspire him to have two R's in his name. He just has to have, happens to have two R's in his name as well. I just fully believed you there. I just <laughs> accepted it as fact and was about to move on more. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, no, he does say, uh, George R.R. R. Martin says that Tolkien is an inspiration for his um, work, but he doesn't liken it to... Game of Thrones, his... I think, started as Lord of the Rings, like fan fiction. Is that right? Yeah. I hope that's true. I think it's true. Because and I think I think it's like, you know how fan fiction is very sexual as well. Like, yeah. Of... Well, because J.R.R. Martin says that he doesn't want his, he doesn't want Game of Thrones to be like fantasy tropey like Tolkien can be sometimes. Well, you know, chat, chat shit about Tolkien. <laughs> yeah. He's because like, basically, like, I think he said once, um, and this is George R.R. Martin, said once how like, it was like, when someone comes in as king, it, it's not just, oh, he's just king now. Like you don't, and then he, oh, and then he reigned for like eight years and he was really good. He was like, what about taxes? Like, how does that work? And stuff like that. And that's what he likes to write about as well. He's like, realistically, how does this affect everyone else? So he's like, so if this person comes in, does he raise taxes for everyone? How do those taxes affect these people back then? And then he'll write a chapter about people whose then taxes were risen. I'm sure Aragorn did not raise taxes. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he didn't. He seems like a really good guy. Yeah, my darling. He, he is, in essence, kind of a, a Jon Snow. In that he didn't really want to be. No, I king. think I think Aragorn would beat Jon Snow in a fight. Beat him. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. All right. We'll get into this. I reckon Jon's <laughs> bastard sword would like proper cut through his king's sword. Yeah, but you look at who Aragorn. Anyway, <clears throat> we'll probably get into that. So we're talking about your, well, you're going to be telling me about J.R.R. Tolkien today. J.R.R. Tolkien, full name John Ronald Rule Tolkien. Rule. Rule. R e u e l. Rule. Rule. I'm not, I was not 100% how to pronounce it. Rule, rule, who hereby will be pronounced as Tolkien. That's how I'll be talking about him. He was born in South Africa on the 3rd of January, 1892. Mm-hmm. So quite a while ago. Yeah. Um, in South Africa, he was very young, so he didn't have that many memories of living in South Africa. Um, he lived there because his uh, father, Arthur Rule, and his mother, uh, Mabel, originally Suffield, moved there because his father was a bank clerk and wanted to find a promotion and he thought South Africa would hold that promotion for him. So he moved there for, he moved there for business. Uh, is that also like Imperial Britain as well? I think so at that time. Yeah, I think that's Imperial Britain too, yeah. which would make sense. Yeah. Him being able to just go over to South Africa and, yeah, and just live there. a bank clerk. Yeah, straight away. Um, they're both English, the parents. Uh, his mother famously from the West Midlands, not famously, she's not famous, but from the West Midlands, which we'll get onto, is why uh, the West Midlands is important to Tolkien. Uh, One of the key memories that uh, Tolkien has as a child in um, South Africa is uh, he was encountered by a large hairy spider. Mm -mm, I'm out. 
which I'm sure to some people listening to this who don't know Tolkien thinking, yeah, and like, but if you think about it in terms of Lord of the Rings, I'm pretty sure that inspired Shelob. Oh, Christ, yeah. Um, it's the massive, there's loads of massive spiders that web up Frodo. No, it's Shelob. Yeah, in the film it's Shelob, but yeah. Is it not loads of massive spiders? No, in the, in the, in the film thinking it's of just Shelob. You're thinking of the Forbidden Forest, Harry Potter. I'm Never do that. that again or I'll quit. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. So, so uh, a massive hairy spider had a go at him when he was a kid. Yeah. So you'll find this as I go on. Throughout his life, he encounters things that keep popping up in his work. You can His childhood heavily, heavily influenced um, his writing. So, yeah. Um, does it, does it, do you know like what he did with the spider? Did he uh, glass over it with a paper underneath and put it outside or did he stamp on it? Uh, have you seen that video of the... Um, there's that. There's a massive spider and the bloke goes at it with a mop. Or a, a yeah, br- and it broom, bursts into like loads of little ones. Into loads oh, of little ones. I'd leave the house. It can have the house. I'm out. There was actually, I think, there's actually a story not too long ago about a woman who actually burnt her house down because she found a spider in it. Yeah, power to her. <laughs> do the start the same. <laughs> um, no, I'm not sure what he did. Fair enough. Um, right about it is what he I did. find out a spider in South Africa. I'd assume it was poisonous, not turn and walk the other way. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think like most creatures there, like Australia. Yeah, they want to kill you. Alone, they'll kill you. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, whilst in South Africa uh, on February 15th, 1896, his father died. Oh, right. So his father died while he was very young. He was born in... He was born in... 92. Uh, 92, so he was four. Damn. So he was four when his dad died. Um, so his mother made the decision to take them back to England, to the West Midlands. Because what did she do out there? What was her job? I think she was just a wife, housewife. Damn. I, I didn't find anything. On, I think she was just a housewife. That's fair. So his mother made the executive decision to take... Uh, Tolkien and his brother Hillary, who had been born in South Africa, to uh, the West Midlands, uh, Moseley, which, funnily enough, is 10 minutes from where I live. You're in Solihull? Yeah. So, is it, is it um, or Solihull? It differs. I say Solihull. And so he was moved to 10 minutes away from where you are now? Uh, if I walk for 10 minutes, I can get to the place where he based the Shire, which is called Sareholm Mill. Oh, right. Which I think back in the day was a beautiful, picturesque place. Nowadays, not so great. But no. it's got a nice mill. And every year they have like a Lord of the Rings gathering where everyone dresses up. Mm. Never been. I think it'd be quite cool. But yeah, so that's exciting. Um, so yeah, he was bought, a, he got taken about to Sehole, which at the time was lovely. It was picturesque. It's obviously just imagine the Shire just in real life. That's what it was. That's why he based the Shire. Mm. Um, but when he started school, uh, he went to King Edward School, which is actually still around now. I had a few friends that went there. Mm. It's like a private school. Uh, you have to take tests to get in. Um, I would not get into any school when I was a kid who had to do a test to No, get I don't there. think I would. I think I'd give up. Um, but that's in like Birmingham, like proper urban Birmingham. Right. So you've got every day he's travelling to like proper heart Birmingham, which, I mean, if you look at Peaky Blinders, like don't use that as historic okay. accuracy, but it's not the best place at that time. It's not the best place now, no, but it's not, not the best place. too far in timeline as well. No, no, there's only like 20, 20 years difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that you've got... Because isn't... Um, Birmingham is nicknamed the Black Country. Oh, steady on, son. Steady on. Is black that, Country's like uh, Dudley and all that. That's like... It, uh, but black Country's like, good Lord, Bab, like proper like thick accents. Birmingham's <laughs> not that... You'll offend a lot of people. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So yeah, every day he was going from a picturesque uh, little village kind of thing to proper urban Birmingham. 
And it's quite interesting because uh, eventually he moved to Kings Heath again, which is not far from where I'm based now, which is kind of more urban, a bit of a shithole. Right. And sorry if you would live there. And he, uh, his house backed onto a railway line. And I thought this was really interesting. Uh, he used to watch the trains go past and he'd watch coal trucks going to and from South Wales. And on the like carriages had like Welsh names. Uh, and if you look okay. at the Welsh language and compare it to the Elven language, it looks similar, which is too many letters in right. like different places. Like, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this, but like Sengheded, um, Nantiglo. Like, is that Elvish or Welsh? This is Welsh. Oh, okay. So he, so he, this is where he started developing his linguistic imagination. Oh, so he eventually learned what those words on the trains mean and started speaking uh, other languages and getting obsessed with those. Essentially, yeah, he became a fanatic about um, languages. Can you uh, speak another language? No, I'm English. So I'll just speak loud and slow because oh, I'm arrogant. Oh, because, yeah, English are very arrogant and everyone yeah. speaks English. That's the way, unfortunately. I wish I did. I really wish I did. I tried to... Uh, did you do a language at school? I did German. Ah, see, I did French and I got quite good at it. And then it had to do GCSEs and I didn't bother taking it. I was exactly the same with German. Yeah. yeah. Although I have tried to learn German recently. Pass. I yeah, didn't too bad. I could, I could order a hot chocolate because I went there. At Christmas, <laughs> I went there. I went to Berlin at Christmas to have a look at the Christmas markets. And uh, I was man- I managed to order a hot chocolate and got away with it. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad you got your hot chocolate. Thanks very much. Um, so Tolkien, uh, him and his family were kind of poor. They were poor, but they could get by. They had a house, they could eat, but they weren't a wealthy family. Yeah. However, in 1904, things took a turn for the worst. Uh, okay. His mother, Mabel, was diagnosed with having di- uh, diabetes. And in those days, there wasn't any insulin. Oh, uh, right. Uh, so on the 14th of November of 1904, she died. Uh, so Tolkien and his brother Hilary were um, orphans. Oh, so he was 10? Uh, 1904 from his birth date in 1892. So he was 12? So he was 12. And so he 12 was and both his parents have died? Both his parents have died at this point, yeah. Um, his family, though, were heavily Catholic so um, Father Francis, who was like the father of like the parish and what have you, mm. um, kind of looked after the boys. They were taken in by a, an unsympathetic aunt by marriage kind of thing called Beatrice Suffield. But then eventually they found a more permanent home with Mrs. Faulkner, which is kind of like a boarding house. You think of like a foster home nowadays. That's essentially what it was. And that was still uh, in the West Midlands. So, still there now? Hmm? Still there now? What, the foster home? Yeah. No, 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 no. I thought you said it was still there now. No, it was just in the West Midlands. Gotcha. So by the age of 12, he's lived in two countries and lost both of his parents. He's done a lot. He's done Been more than lot. me. And I'm 23. Yeah. Mad. Um. Oh, is losing your family doing something? I don't know. Well, you know he's been through a He's lot. been through a lot. But yeah. Um. But anyway, by this time, Despite everything that happened, he is already showing remarkable linguistic uh, gifts. He could already speak Latin and Greek, which I've never tried to speak Latin or Greek. I just assume it's really difficult. Um, I, I only knew one phrase in Latin. Go uh, for it. That's ubique cufas et gloria ducant. What does that mean? Everywhere where right and glory lead. Are you going to war? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was an army cadet when I was as a teenager. Oh, so you might have that, actually was, right. <laughs> that actually was written on your cat badge and you had to learn what it said. Oh dear. Um but these these languages, Greek and Latin, were what uh, were taught in schools. It was kind of like a staple, you know, we like French, Spanish, blah blah blah. We yeah. they had Greek and Latin. 
um, especially in like private schools. Like, I imagine Latium yeah, was quite still like, learn Latin now. Yeah, don't they? It's a dead language. I don't understand why. Um, and he was becoming competent in other languages as well. So he was learning more. And he uh, notably learned Gothic. Was that language? Apparently so. And also Finnish. Okay. So by this time he could speak five languages. And they're not easy languages either. No, 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 like not at all. Greek, Latin, Finnish. I'm not sure about Gothic itself. Uh, that's what it says here. I'm not sure if Gothic's a language. I imagine it's something. I'm not but sure. I know that like the Scandinavian languages and obviously the Greek and Latin are notoriously difficult. Yeah. And this, this kid has just blasted through them. Wow. Yeah. Genius. And also at this time he was making up his own languages for fun. Okay. As, like, if I tried to tell, tell you now, like, make up a word, just a word, and tell me what it means. Uh, um, bisanthrum. What does that mean? I've no idea. Uh, uh bisanthrum. <laughs> bisanthrum is... Bisanthrum. Yes, a bisanthrum is, uh, a type of calmness. It's a bisanthrum. Oh, so Santhrop, you, you're developing your language. You, I like it. So you don't need, you don't even need to say to be bisanthrum. You just say bisanthrum to, to bisanthrum. Be, nice. Um, I was, so no, you've done a word. Uh, he was making entire languages yeah. just for fun. Oh, that's mad. Yeah. Um, pe- sorry, people like uh, Star Trek, they've got um, Klingon. Yeah. Klingon is a fully made up language, but I don't think it was when they first made the series and had them in it. Mm. People just, fans over the years have just created it. it and developed it yeah. to the point. Like, but even now they can't, you can't have like fully, I don't think so, fully like genuine conversations like we're having right now. Yeah. It's just not, no one's made enough of those up, but he's doing these as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, absolute genius. Um, whilst living at Mrs. Faulkner's boarding house, uh, he met a young woman called Edith Bratt, who was also living there. Mm. Um, at this time, he was 16 and she was 19, so three years older. And th- th- they started up a friendship and their relationships gradually uh, deepened. However, Father Francis wasn't happy about this. Oh, so, he's Catholic, right? So he went to Tolkien and said, you cannot see or speak to Edith for three years until you're 21. When you're 21, you can do what you want. But until then, you cannot see or speak to this girl. So when he's 21, not about her? Yeah, not her, him. He okay. has to be 21. Um, and Tolkien obeyed. Tolkien said, okay. Good boy. Yeah, good boy. Very very um, faithful to his uh, religion. Mm. Um, in the summer of 1911, he was invited to go on a walking holiday to Switzerland, which uh, is said to have inspired his descriptions of the Misty Mountains and Rivendell. Ah, fair. They're, they're pretty famous yeah. for their mountains. Big mountains. And if you look, Misty Mountains are beautiful in Rivendell, the elf city. Oh, right. Yep, I see it now. Yeah. I see it. Yeah, you can see where you're coming from. Um, and he then got back, started studying at Exeter College in Oxford, and he wrote to Edith. Oh, right. Yep. So he was 21 at this point, and he wrote to Edith, and they started rekindling. I wonder what that said. It'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Because I suppose he's not allowed to have spoken to her for three years. He's <laughs> gone on his walking trip to Switzerland. Yeah. He hadn't seen her or spoke to her in so long. Yeah. You don't know if she's moved on at this point. You and don't you know if she's met someone more her age. You just chance you're on. You just send a letter and you're like, how's it going? Yeah. It's like, send, it's like someone like ignoring your text for three years and just suddenly responding. Sending a risky DM after <laughs> three years. Just like, <laughs> What do you say? <laughs> Are you still single? Um, but yeah, they hit off. Um, and after they both graduated, she converted to Catholicism to be with him. Oh, what was she before? Yeah, I think Christian. Ah, okay. So she converted to Catholicism. Okay. And they moved to Warwick, 
which is a town kind of south Birmingham, south of Birmingham, near Stratford-upon-Avon. Warwick Castle. Warwick, I used to work at Warwick Castle. Yes. So I have another connection to um, Tolkien because my brother, who also works at Warwick Castle, says that I couldn't find this anywhere, but he thinks and believes that Warwick Castle is Gondor in Tolkien's mind. That Warwick Castle inspired Gondor. Is Warwick Castle like dilapidated? No, no, it's a proper st- still standing castle. Oh, okay, I haven't been. Okay. It's a, it's a beautiful castle and I can see where he comes from. Right. Um, it says here, which with its spectacular castle and beautiful surrounding countryside, had a great impression on Tolkien. So, so life was great. He was back with Edith. Mm-hmm. He was living in Warwick, which is a lovely town. Uh, life was going well. However... We then get to 1914. World War I. World War I broke out. And Tolkien was, of course, a fit young man. Yeah. So um, he didn't rush up to join, though. Instead, he returned to Oxford, uh, where he worked hard and finally achieved a first-class degree. Because first time of trying, he only got a 2-1. Which or is, second class. I think, didn't we discuss it last week? I think week? last week, yeah. Which is absolutely fine, which meant he was good at what he does. And, and had a good time. And had a good time. <laughs> Um, but he wasn't happy with it, so he went back and he got his first class degree. Oh, right, okay. Uh, in 1915. And then after that, he thought, okay, and he enlisted. Uh, he was a second lieutenant in the Lancashire Fusiliers. Um, however, for many months, nothing happened. He was just in training, staying in England, mm-hmm. not much happened. And then suddenly the word got through, you're going to be going to France. Mm-hmm. So he and Edith married in Warwick on 22nd of March, 1916. You got, you so he's married. back. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of people did that, didn't they? Yeah. And quickly got married. So yeah, uh, eventually he was sent to France on the Western Front, just in time for the Somme Offensive. Uh, if you don't know anything about the Battle of the Somme, it's one of the bloodiest yeah. battles in he, war history. So no, he volunteered, done his training, married his wife, and was like, I'm going to do this now. And then it just so happens that the first place he goes to is the Somme. The Somme, yeah. Which I'm assuming you're going to tell me millions died was it was hor- thousands? horrendous it was awful basically the battle of the somme is uh you have like 100 meters of land in between trenches and they were just sent to run at german machine guns wave after wave after wave after wave it's one of the bloodiest days of the war yeah so many people died thousands thousands upon thousands if i'm died. remembering right and i might be wrong but well i think they did uh i think they shelled like artillery shelling i think they shelled the land for so like for like days and yeah. long days beforehand and then were so confident that they'd done what they were supposed to do. They told everyone, you won't need to run across the no man's you can land. Walk. You could literally walk there yeah. it will be fine. And they did yeah. and they walked and got machine They just got mowed down. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? It's crazy. Just walking to death. However, he survives. Good. Um, after four months in and out, so he was there for four months, in out of the trenches, he succumbed to trench fever, which is like a infection um, that people get because mm-hmm. it's not very sanitary and uh, puddles up to your knees. Yeah, rats everywhere. It's not good. Um, so in early November, he was sent back to England, uh-huh. where he spent the next month in hospital in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. However, by Christmas, he had recovered sufficiently and he moved back home uh, to stay with Edith, who had moved to Staffordshire. They moved oh, so around he a lot. was no longer in the army after that. He was, but he wasn't well enough to be in France. Okay. So he's gone back home. Um, throughout 17 and 18, his, the illness kept reoccurring, so that's why he couldn't go back. Uh, it, okay. it was quite a long-term 
uh, illness. However, he could like get involved in training camps, and he did. He did all that. Um, he was stationed at Hull, uh, where he just spent a lot of time with Edith. So he enjoyed being in the army. Um, he had friend. He had friends that he made in school. Uh, they had a writing club, and a lot of them joined up, and uh-huh. he saw a lot of them die. Okay. Which is where a lot of inspiration comes from. Uh, him and his writing buddies, and he'd like write things about them, like write stories about them. That just reminds me of um, Blackadder Four. What, where they go over the top? No, when Lieutenant George is talking about all his friends that mm. he joined up with, yeah. all part of the Tiddlywinks, and all of them are now dead. Yeah. So he joined up with. Well, I don't know if he joined up with friends, but his friends were there, and unfortunately died. Mm. Uh, however, he got to hang out in Hull with Edith, and they'd go for walks in like. Um, woodland and stuff and he would create characters based upon them mm-hmm. like walking through the woods so he was constantly thinking constantly thinking about this mad book that he had no idea that he was going to write yet mm. and yet it was just always there uh and then his first son john Fran- john francis rule uh was born on 16th of november 1917 so he has a son before the end of the war and then on 11th of november 1918 guns fell silent mm-hmm. the war is over um Tolkien, before the end of this, though, had already been like trying to get a job, trying to get a job, trying to get a job. And eventually he got accepted as an assistant lexographer of the New English Dictionary. So, uh, you don't have to explain to me what a lexographer is. Who knows? Oh, this is why we've got a sound guy. This is today. why we have a sound guy with a phone. This is why we're going to see how quick they are on the Google. What's a lexographer? A person who compiles dictionaries. I mean, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? So he just makes dictionaries. He helps make them. So he will like categorize them, put them yeah. in order, that kind of thing. Thanks, yeah. sound guys. Thank you. <laughs> uh, however, he didn't stay in that job for long. So I imagine as a creative individual, just categorizing words would be quite boring. So in 1920, he applied for the uh, senior position of um, reader in English language at the University of Leeds. And he was appointed. Okay. A so reader. He was appointed reader in English language. Uh, I think it's like lecturer, essentially. Okay. Throughout this time, he continued to develop the Elvish language. So he was continuously writing the Elvish language. Yeah. Because I imagine if you're going to create a whole new language, it takes... And he's using his Latin, his Welsh, his just everything, Finnish, his everything Welsh, that he's yeah, got everything. so far. He's trying to compile, make this new language. Yeah. Uh, whilst living in Leeds, he had two more sons, Michael... Hillary Rule on October 1920 and Christopher Rule in 1924. And then in 25, um, uh, and a position at Oxford University became available. Mm-hmm. He applied and he got accepted. So he is now a lecturer at Oxford University, which Oxford is still one of the top universities in the world. Most prestigious university. Very going, prestigious. So a man who got a, that didn't get a first in his first attempt. He's now teaching others. See, for all of those who got a 2-1, you yeah. can do great things. You can teach at Oxford and eventually yeah. write Lord of the Rings. I believe in you. Um, his life at this point was fine. He was hanging out, got a good job, got a good family. Uh, he had his last child and his only daughter, Priscilla, in 1929. And he got into the habit of like just writing for the children. He'd write mm-hmm. like children's stories and stuff like that. And uh, eventually a book that was published in 1976 is The Father Christmas Letters is something that he'd write for the kids. And a lot of his work was uh, released after his death by his uh, children. Am I right in thinking as well? He's got like still, even now, loads of work. There's so much written. work that's unreleased. Yeah. But I think his son is like slowly or grandson slowly 
putting it out. Like the Silmarillion wasn't released until it was supposed to be. We'll get onto that. It wasn't released okay. until quite recently. Um, yeah. So he's teaching at Oxford. He's got children. He's got a happy family life. Life's going well for Mister Tolkien. Uh, whilst in Oxford, he joined uh, a group of friends called the Inklings. They'd go to like taverns and like they'd drink and just talk about like books and and things. And a member of this club was C.S. Lewis, the writer of the Chronicles of Narnia. Ah, uh, gotcha. Who became one of Tolkien's closest friends. Mm. So Middle Earth and Narnia. I haven't read it. You seen the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Uh, no, I, I've I've seen epic movies version of it. Right. Have you seen Epic Movie? I have, but I'm not going to entertain it. <laughs> That's all I know about Narnia. Right, okay. You've got homework. But C.S. Lewis is a very famous writer. Gotcha. The, the Narnia series is, uh, is quite a big, big fantasy series. According to his own account, one day when he was engaged in the... Uh, when, when he was like marking papers. Um, this, is an, this is really interesting. This blew my mind when I read this. Okay. He was marking papers and a student had left a page empty. There was just a blank page. You know how, like, how you write essays, you're just given like blank mm-hmm. pages. A student had left a page empty. So for some reason, I don't know what came over him, he took his pen and he wrote on the top of the page, in a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. He just wrote it. Right. The, the, the first line of one of the most famous series of all time. Which is the beginning of The Hobbit. The beginning. He just wrote it. What came over him? Who knows? In a hole in the ground, there, there lived, lived a hobbit. A hobbit. Mad. And then, obviously, after he wrote that, he thought, what's a hobbit? Uh-huh. So he researched and he, like, created what he wanted, like, a hobbit to be and how he wanted them to, like, live. And, obviously, this just kept, like, growing and growing and growing. Um, and he kept, like, trying to get on his children. He kept, like, reading uh, okay. it to his children. Um, and, eventually, he had, like, a sort of a transcript, kind of, that he gave to a publishing firm of... Uh, George Allen and Unwill, who became HarperCollins in 1990. I think okay. HarperCollins is still about. Mm-hmm. Um, and she asked Tolkien to finish it. She was like, this is good. Um, can you finish it, please? So he did. And then the publisher tried it out on the ten-year-old, her, his 10-year-old son, who loved it. it. This was The Hobbit, who absolutely loved it. Mm. So the publisher thought, great, we'll publish it. So The Hobbit was published in 1937. And had the approval of a 10-year-old? Because it was a children's book. Okay. Uh, yeah, because he was writing it for his kids. Yeah. Uh, and it was a success. Everyone loved it. And did you know it has never been out of children's recommended lists, reading lists since? Oh, really? Yeah, since 1936. So 1937, it's always been in the recommended reading list for children. Yeah, I remember, I remember definitely seeing it in libraries when I was a child at primary school. Yeah, it's, it's mental. And that was like, The Hobbit is always like a go-to that kids always read. It's like one of like the first proper books that yeah. they properly read. It's quite easy to read, to be fair. Yeah. And it's just... it's amazing fantasy um so obviously the publisher was like wow this was successful have you got anything else Hmm. um which he kind of did he had the silmarillion which is essentially like it was kind of his first book that he started writing it precedes the hobbit and it's kind of like about middle earth like the history of middle earth isn't it sort of yeah it's 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 kind of like split into like different sections there's like some songs and poems and like it's been released uh, after his death um so he gave that to them it didn't go down well. Mm. It like it, it bombed. Like no one really enjoyed it because it was so different to uh, the Hobbit. Because the Hobbit's like a fantasy book, where Silmarillion is kind of like more historical about what okay. this place is. Um, so the publishers go back to him when mm, Silmarillion wasn't very good. Could you write us a new Hobbit? 
That's how they put it. Like, can you write the new Hobbit? Mm. So we thought, yeah, okay, I'll try and write the new Hobbit. Um, the new Hobbit had the title of The Lord of the Rings. Ah, I see, we all know that one. Yeah, we probably know that one better than The Hobbit. So he he wrote it, and he kept like trying it out on his children again, and and all that kind of um, stuff. Because obviously, this, these are children's books. When they're quite bloody, but I think they are written for um, children. And when they published this, the the publishers had to take a loss of a thousand pounds to to publish it. But they thought, you know what, we're gonna take a risk. Uh, we're gonna do it. And thankfully for them, uh, it absolutely took off. Uh, since its release, uh, I think in a stu- oh, I've got this written down somewhere. In a study from 2010, uh, it reports that Lord of the Rings has sold over 150 million copies. And a 2012 wow. report states that The Hobbit has sold over 100 million copies. Wow. That's a lot of, lot of copies. Mm. It had mixed reviews, though. Not like Some people didn't like it. C.S. Lewis loved it because obviously he was like best buds, best with, mate. Best like buds with Tolkien. Um, and the BBC uh, condensed it into a 12-episode radio show. Right, yeah. Imagine condensing The Lord of the Rings into a 12-episode radio show. Huge three books, right? How do you do that? Nah, that's mad. So yeah, so everyone loved it by Lord of the Rings... Uh, by like people loved it. It became kind of like the Bible of the alternative society. Okay. However, with this sudden fame, like there became issues because he was quite a reserved man. He wanted to just have a family life. Mm-hmm. So he was quite annoyed when fans would just turn up on his door and ask about the book. Oh, because I feel like he'd be kind of nice about it and would entertain I th- it. I think I think so, but I think it, it would it'd get to the point where he'd be like, please leave me alone. All right. Um. And people from America would phone him at three in the morning English time and be like, did Frodo survive? Like, what happened? Oh, uh, well, of course, because that's only the first book that's yeah, come out. Yeah, because he's, like, so releasing well. them. And so, like, he, he decided, right, he changed his number and he moved to Bournemouth with Edith. Huh. Somewhere else where I've lived. I feel like I am J.R. Talking. Yeah, Just I feel without like you're, yeah. Without the creative knowledge. Or languages. Or languages, or just any sort of talent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, You're a talented man. Thank you. I needed that boost. <laughs> um, so yeah, so obviously the Lord of the Rings got released. Uh, and then he kind of just lived with his wife um, until 1971. He lived happily. Uh, he became very rich because of the books. And then unfortunately on 29th of November 1971, Edith died. 1971. Wow. Uh, so that uh, yeah, because uh, he was born 82. Uh, 90, 92. 92, 92. So he's, yeah, he's getting on a bit. He had a good life. Um, so he returned to Oxford to rooms provided by a college. And then he died on seven, uh, the 2nd of September, 1973. Uh, not long after. So two years after. Wow. Uh, and they're both buried together in a single grave in a cemetery in Oxford that you can go visit. That's nice. If you go to... Um, the cemetery, it's well signposted. Mm-hmm. So you can go and go and see. Um, There's loads of stories of like that. You know, couples that are together for like the majority of their life. Yeah. And then one of them dies and the other dies literally minutes later. Yeah, it's a like heartbreak, isn't it? People die of heartbreak. That's mad. It is crazy, isn't it? Maybe that's what happened here. Because I feel like people lose their purpose, don't they? Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Maybe she genuinely was like his purpose, his inspiration, yeah. that kind of thing. And then with her gone, he was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm ready. Yeah. Damn. So, um, what did he die of? I believe it was cancer. Uh-huh. I, be- I, I I'm, I'm pretty certain it was cancer. I did have it 
written somewhere. Okay. Sound guys are going to get on it again. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm pretty certain it was cancer. I want to say stomach, stomach ulcer, I want to say. Hemorrhage. Hemorrhage. Oh. A cerebral hemorrhage. Damn, Is that a brain hemorrhage? I was so wrong with stomach ulcer. Damn. And I'm the guy cerebral that researched this. But a cerebral hemorrhage, because that's bleeding of the brain. Yeah. He's overworked his head. So he's overworked his brain so much. He's so intelligent. He's got so much stuff going on in there. He's done it. He's overdone it. Yeah, that's crazy. A different report says stomach ulcer. I was right. What if he had both? I was right. Well, yeah. So he is not a well man. <laughs> so it's either brain hemorrhage or a stomach ulcer. I think stomach ulcer because that's what I said and I want to be right all the time. I think next week for follow up, you need to. We'll, we'll get on that for next week. Next week. We'll find we'll, out we'll 100%. Yeah. We'll find out 100% what it was. Um, Some Lord of the Rings facts. Obviously, it got picked up by uh, New Line Cinema. I think. Was it New Line Cinema? Yeah. Yes. Peter Jackson. Yeah. Directed the epic trilogy of Lord of the Rings, followed by the epic trilogy of The Hobbit. Um oh, epic. I love The Hobbit, back off. CGI. Yeah, to be fair, it's not as good as Lord of the Rings. But um, Lord of the Rings obviously was massive. Um, two, I think it was 2000, 2001, 2002, or 2001, 2002, 2003, I think it came out. Numbers, you just said loads of numbers. 2001, 2002, 2003, that's what I'm okay. going with. Um, Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King, the final one, yep. is the first fantasy film to receive a Best Picture Oscar. It is also currently um, tied with Ben-Hur and Titanic as the most awarded film at the Oscars with yeah. 11 wins. Wow. For a fantasy film, that film absolutely banged. That's People good. loved it. Which, like, you watch it and you think, yeah, I understand why. That is fair. It's a bloody good film. All so, of them are, though, to be fair. All the Lord of the Rings films are brilliant. They're, they're amazing. The first one sets it. The second one, kind of like the Battle of Helm's Deep, for me, is the best battle. It's fantastic. Isn't it also the longest battle on cinema screen? Oh, I don't want to say not, yes, but I know. It's but... not the longest battle now. Yeah, but if you're talking about Game of Thrones, was that a battle? Because that was nonsense from start to finish. You couldn't see half of it. At least that, with Helm's Deep, the, you could see was what was going point. on. What was the point to not see that the was battle? The point. the point was that uh, you're not supposed to see it because they couldn't see it. They couldn't That's see what was coming. No, we're the audience. <laughs> just go, If you just have the characters not been able to see it, as the audience, I want to see it. No, don't get me wrong. I'm a Game of Thrones fanboy and I will concede that the last season was... It was awful. Not great. Whereas you get the were... Battle of Helm's Deep where you got like tens yeah. of thousands of orcs marching towards a wall and where... you see all of it. This is the one where Aragorn throws Gimli. Yep. And he's like, nobody tosses a dwarf. Yeah, and he tosses that dwarf. He tosses that dwarf right into a mess. Yeah, it's the, it's the battle where Legolas slides down the stairs in the shield as well, while shooting oh, his bow and arrow. Sorry. Is that also, uh, that's not CGI Legolas though. CGI Legolas is when he's going down the massive elephant, the elephant. Yeah, 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 I think that's Return of the King. That one's where they've made CGI. Um, oh, oh no, there's also a CGI Legolas when he's on top of the troll in the first film in Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, the mountain, yeah, in the uh, Mount of Moria. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, you get Sean Bean goes, they have a cave troll. Yeah. <laughs> that's a funny line. They have a cave troll. <laughs> anyway, Lord of the Rings is really good. I hope it's not. Oh, but we're, doubt. Go on, where were you? Doubt. Um, I think I'm pretty much finished. Tolkien died. He had a one hell of a life. It started off with such tragedy. Mm. But I think it, I think the most the best thing about Tolkien is he's a genius. From an early age, he was creating his own languages, and I think the the story of how he st he wrote the first line is mad. How he just saw a blank piece of paper and wrote one of the most famous lines of book history. Can we go off on a tangent and ask why was that student left a blank piece of paper in the because that student essay? is a failure and will never write anything? Do you think he got a two two? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Maybe even a third. 
This can become, he was a, having can become too much theme, fun. isn't it? He was having so much fun, he forgot to write another... I wonder if that essay made sense. Do you think he was like typing away? He wrote that essay and then like, I don't know, fell asleep. <laughs> and then sort of just the next day he was like, oh, fuck me, I've got to finish that essay. Where was I? Um, oh, that's where I was. And just carried on from where he thought he was. Yeah. And so like Tolkien's reading this essay and he's like, and then it, oh, it was a blank piece of paper. <laughs> Uh, just new to the next one. It's like, so as you can tell, by it, it makes no sense. And it's just like, in a hole, lived a <laughs> hobbit. That, that makes more sense. I reckon that's what he's done. Oh, do you reckon he like handed that in and then went, oh, fuck no. Yeah, that student is stressed. James, I've left a piece of paper in the middle of you. <laughs> Tolkien's going to hit the roof. Tolkien's going to hit the roof. You know what he's like. He's fought in the First World War. <laughs> so he's just sitting there and he's writing like, in a hole, lived a hobbit. And then he hands it back. Do you think he handed it back? In That'd be hole? awesome. Because if he did, that's the first like transcript of the hobbit. Like, uh, like, that student has the first like, yeah. documented evidence of the hobbit being All because written. he's lazy and Mr. Page. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think the moral of this story is laziness creates great stories. Yeah, because if he hadn't left that empty piece of paper in the middle of his essay, Tolkien wouldn't have looked at it and gone, this is such bollocks, I'm going to write my own shit. And that one sentence was better than his whole essay. <laughs> so yes, thank you to that student who left a piece of paper in the middle of your essay. Thank you very much. Because, so, because of you, a literary genius became a thing. So yeah, so anyone going through exams right now, leave blank pages because your <laughs> lecturer might have a banging <laughs> idea and just waiting for that piece of paper. Forget about your own career. <laughs> Think about your lecturers. They always say if you can't do teach, whereas like Tolkien yeah. could do, but wasn't given the opportunity until someone did. Yeah, I think he was happy teaching though. I think that was like, he like writing was kind of just a fun thing that he did. Right. He did it all for fun um, and just happened to get rich out of it. Yeah, yeah. And we happened to get great books and... So I wanted to quickly, quickly, um, you mentioned about how the spider, when he was a kid, you think sort of influenced the big spider in the films yeah, she or, in the, or in the book, sorry. Um, I think I remember, and this might be wrong, but I think I remember reading, um, there's, there's, you know, when, um, Gollum is showing Frodo and Sam across the marshes with all the dead yeah, bodies yeah, in the there. Dead. Yeah, yeah. I heard somewhere that that was also inspired by his World War One experiences where there's just dead bodies just all yeah. over the battlefield, like I, that kind of thing. And I imagine. Just there. That, that scene in that film is harrowing. Like, yeah. It's horrible to watch. But yeah, I imagine just dead bodies on like no man's land effectively. Yeah, man. You must have seen some things being in the Somme performance. There are some horrible stories from First World War that soldiers yeah. have seen. There are some really, really interesting. I think we might, we should probably maybe talk about this another day. Uh, there are some really cool ghost stories from the First World War. Really? Of soldiers oh, yeah. in trenches seeing what they believe to be like demons and angels and ghosts walking trenches and things like that. Honestly, some of it's really Well, scary. if demons and ghosts did exist, it would be in hell on earth. Which is probably what that was. Which is what the word for You're just stuck was. in like a trench with your friends who keep dying. Yeah. And being told to walk towards machine guns. That's awful. We could have lost him. We could have lost J.R. Tolkien. You lost know. Tolkien before he even wrote the, the books. Yeah. Damn. How, but, the, but that makes you think, how many more geniuses were there and didn't make it? Yeah, Wilfred Owen, famous poet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, that's a somber, somber note, isn't it? Um, but uh, something else I got here, like... From from what I believe as a kid, this is quite funny because I've grown up in Birmingham. Birmingham, like urban town centre, is where he based Mordor. Brilliant. Because it's like... <laughs> 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 because it's like 
because it's like fumes. Yeah. Like I think the industrial revolution was over at that point, but still like Birmingham was like the hub of yeah, the yeah. country. Like factories everywhere. Brilliant. So it's just smog all the so time. So he, li- he lived in a beautiful shire, shire yeah. village that and was picturesque tra- and, and he, had- he wrote about that. And he had to travel to the smog every day. And he had to travel to Mordor every single day. Yeah. I like that. That's what I've always assumed. And I think I think I was told that. I think in Birmingham, that's just what we know to be fact. Probably isn't, probably bollocks, but... Birmingham City Centre, twinned with Mordor. I mean, I get it. Every time I'm, I'm there, I'm like, yep, yeah, this is Mordor. <laughs> just look for the giant volcano in the middle. Damn. But yeah, I completely get it. Well done, Tolkien. And Thank then you, Tolkien. While it was Gondor, Switzerland was like Rivendell. It's nice. And he inspired J.R.R. Tolkien, which I'm immensely happy for. And yeah. thank him dearly for it. Which I think I think we should all take in like our surroundings, shouldn't we? Because our surroundings should inspire us to be creative. And this, I think that's what, where his genius lies. He doesn't just randomly think things up. Mm. He gets inspired by other things and allows that to develop him. He's taking from what he's seen and experienced and wrote, just essentially writing it down. Yeah. And we get to reap the benefits. Mm. Because I love watching Lord of the Rings. I've never got bored of it, ever. Yeah, which we need to point out. One of our sound guys hasn't watched them all. Yeah. Actually got quite bored watching the first one. He's not looking around the room very sheepishly. So if you are listening and you're a big fan of The Lord of the Rings, uh, drop us an email or something and tell us how much our sound guys are wrong. Have we given out our email yet? Oh, no, we haven't. We actually have an email. We do have an email. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so that's something we want to talk about then. So uh, obviously, as you know, uh, that's what people do. We want to talk about cool people that have done cool stuff. We also want to talk about uh, people that you've probably never heard of, like, at all. So if you know of someone who we haven't heard of or someone who isn't as well known, uh, oh, actually, could you get out? Because I can't remember it. I, I can remember. I oh, so, all right, you can remember it. That's cool. So, yes, uh, we have an email address. So send us uh, stories of cool people who you want us to talk about, and we will get on it, and we'll make sure that we make that an episode. So if you do have a story, send it to... That's what people do podcast at gmail.com. No grammar anywhere. No grammar. We don't do grammar. We no. only got a two one. That's, That's what, what people, people do podcast at, at gmail.com. And we stories. did that perfectly in sync as yeah. well. Uh, yeah. So send us your stories. Also tell us that the sound guys are rad because they haven't watched Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah. Send in that. So that Just they send know. in a wave of abuse. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sound guy. Sound guy. Yeah, to be fair, there are two sound guys sitting here and it's just, it's just one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So yeah, that was J.R. Tolkien. I hope you enjoyed. Um, he had such a fascinating life and I know people could speak about Lord of the Rings a lot better than I could um, because there's a lot of history to Lord of the Rings. Mm. A lot of history. Um, and Middle Earth in general, which if you're interested, go and look it up. It's mad. It's ab- like Read the Silmarillion. I haven't read it, but I've heard it's very informative. It's big. I've heard it's big. This man created a whole world. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> go and explore it. Yeah. <laughs> Before you explore your own. Yeah. Because the real world sucks. Goes to yeah. Middle Earth. It's probably safer to explore his world. Yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> now that Aragorn's in charge. Brilliant. Right. I feel like that wraps that up. Yeah, thanks for that. That was good. Have you learned something? I have. It was good. nice. It was nice to learn about him because I've seen the films, but um, it's nice to know where these people come from and what inspired them to do these things. Yeah, absolutely. Nice one. So we'll be back uh, next week. Yeah, next week. And we'll be talking about someone different, of course. Someone completely different. So, uh Look forward to that. And we'll see you next week. Have a good one. See you later.